look at these woe verses tonight. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 8 through 10, we looked at the root of all evil. Woe unto them that join house to house. Verses 11 through 17, we spoke about who hath woe. And the book of Proverbs tells us, it asks the question, who hath woe? And it answers the question, the individual that hath woe is the drunkard. And so we spoke about that in verses 11 through 17. By the way, we'll see that again next week in verse number 22. In verses 18 and 19, we saw woe to the scorner. Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin as it were with a cart rope that say, let him make speed and hasten his work. It's almost as if they're daring God to do something. Uh, hasten his work that we may see it and let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come that we may know it. And then last week in verse number 20, we spoke on the subject, woe to them who pervert. Woe to them who pervert. They make good evil and evil good, darkness for light and light for darkness, bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And tonight I want us to look at verse number 21. And tonight we're going to speak to the subject of woe to the wise guy. Woe to the wise guy. Bible says in verse number 21, Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Those are two different words. Now they're very similar and they speak to the issue of wisdom and understanding, but they are two different words. Wisdom speaks to that which empowers us to make right decisions at opportune times. It is doing the proper thing, thing and staying on the right path. This ability is only attained from a fear of the Lord and His Word. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter number 9. The word prudent means or it speaks to that which presents, excuse me, not presents, prevents us from making the wrong decisions. You say, well, pastor, that's wisdom. Protection from the wrong things and the wrong paths. Wisdom helps me to know what the right path is. Prudence helps me to understand. And we could say, well, wisdom does the same thing. But prudence helps me, wisdom helps me to do the proper thing. Prudence helps me not to do the improper thing. It helps me to know, and, and I'm going to show you a verse in just a moment that might help us even more. It helps me to discern the wrong paths. And so, so let me show us a couple of verses if we could. Go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 4. We'll see a verse here for wisdom. And then we'll look at Proverbs chapter number 22 and we'll see a, a verse for prudence. Proverbs chapter number 4 and verse number 11. It says, I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. And notice this, I have led thee in right paths. Okay, so, so wisdom helps us. And we spoke about this in Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Wisdom helps us to understand the right path and the right way. And then prudence, look if you would at Proverbs 22 helps us to discern the wrong path and to stay away from it. Proverbs chapter number 22 
verse number 3. We've seen this verse before. Matter of fact, we just saw it Sunday. Proverbs 22 and verse number 3. The Bible says, A prudent man, there's the word, A prudent man foreseeth the evil. Okay, he sees it coming. Now, he, you know, the wise man, he knows the right path, but the prudent man, and we could say that prudence is maybe a, a result of wisdom, but prudence sees the evil coming. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and does what? Hideth himself. He sees the wrong path. He, he sees the evil coming and he hides himself. He stays away from that. And of course, the rest of the verse, but the simple pass on and are punished. Now, I, I want to go back, Proverbs 3. I, I want to see just a few verses, if I could, real quickly, as we just lay a little groundwork for Isaiah 5 and verse number 21. What we have in Isaiah 5 21 is a simple characterization of the man who is proud. It's the man who's proud. It's the man who is the smartest guy in the room, even smarter than God Himself. You remember Isaiah 5.21? You're not, probably not there. Woe unto them that are wise in their what? Own eyes and prudent in their own sight. They're smarter than God. It is the quintessential wise guys who it is. That's who is being spoken of in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse number 21. But look here at Proverbs 3 if you would. Look at verses 5 through 7. Familiar verses to us tonight. He says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Aren't you glad we don't have to do that? Aren't you glad God has given us His certain word? I mean, it's clear. You know, we speak a lot today in generalities, don't we? God speaks in specifics. God's not nebulous. God is specific. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. Notice verse number 7. Be not wise in what? In thine own eyes. Okay? Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Wisdom is a result. We attain it by fear of the Lord and a fear of His Word and a, a study, a searching, a knowledge of His Word. And in verse number 7 he says, Be not wise if you're going to trust the Lord and if you're not going to lean into your own understanding, be not wise in thine own eyes. Go a little bit further. Proverbs 14. We saw this verse Sunday as well. Proverbs 14. In verse number 12, the Bible says, There is a what? A way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are, are what? The ways of death. Okay, that, there again, there's the proud man, there's the fool, there's the man who is wise in his own eyes, and he's going to go his own way. It seems right to him, it makes sense to him. Do you understand tonight, and we'll see it in one of our passages tonight, but do you understand that a lot of what we do as Christians doesn't make sense to the world? It doesn't. And by the way, it shouldn't. Because God's wisdom isn't the world's wisdom. 
By the way, the world's wisdom, the Bible says, is foolishness. We'll see that. But it doesn't make sense to the world. And so men do that which seemeth right in their own eyes, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Hey, hold your place here in Proverbs because we're going to come right back. Go to the New Testament with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter number 1. Again, we read this passage, I believe, Sunday or maybe it was last Wednesday night. Romans chapter number 1, we'll begin reading in verse number 18. We will not read all of the rest of the chapter, but we'll begin in verse number 18. The Bible says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. By the way, anybody who says they're an atheist is a liar. God has revealed Himself to them. It's very clear right here in the verse. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even, excuse me, even His eternal power and Godhead, Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Notice verse 22. Here's what I want us to get. Professing themselves to be what? Wise. And because they profess themselves to be wise. Look, anybody who professes himself to be wise apart from God is what? A fool. That's what the verse says right here. Verse number 22. It says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Anytime you think you're wise apart from God, you become a fool. I become a fool. Verse number 23. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to a corruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Back in Proverbs, hopefully you're still there. Look at chapter number 8. We said Isaiah 5, 21 is speaking of the proud man. Notice what Proverbs 8, verse number 13 says. It tells us that pride is part of the evil way. Isaiah 5, 20. They make good evil, they make evil good. They make light darkness, they make darkness light. They make sweet bitter, they make bitter sweet. Proverbs 8, verse number 13, The fear of the Lord is to hate, what? Evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. I ought to hate evil. Pastor, you you shouldn't hate anything. God says I should hate evil. The fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? It's the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way in the forward mouth do I hate. Look at Proverbs chapter number 11. This is, this is a proud man in Isaiah chapter 5 verse number 21. What, what is the end? What is the result of man's pride? Proverbs 11 and verse number 2. The Bible says, When pride cometh, then cometh what? Shame. Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 10. Only by pride cometh what? Contention. 
chapter number 15, verse number 25. The Lord will destroy the house of what? Of the proud. What is the end of pride? What is the end of the proud man? He said, the Lord will destroy his house. Look at chapter 16, verse 5. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination. That's serious. All sin is serious, is it not? Absolutely. But there are some sins in the Scriptures, there are some actions in the Scriptures that the Scriptures call an abomination. And the Bible says everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Verse number 18 of chapter 16. We know this verse. Pride goeth before destruction and an haughty spirit before a fall. Chapter number 21. Excuse me, chapter number 21 and verse number 4. A high look and what? A proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. And then chapter number 29, verse number 23. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. We're going to take tonight, we're going to pair Isaiah chapter 5 and verse number 20 with a couple of other passages tonight. A couple in, or actually three in the New Testament, then one in the Old Testament. And what I want to do tonight, I want us to see, why does the Bible say woe? Woe to this man who is proud in his own eyes, or or excuse me, he's wise in his own eyes, and he is prudent in his own sight. What, what, What does woe speak of? It speaks of despair and sorrow. And you know, many times, I believe the woe, is greater not in the chastening or punishment that we receive, but in what we miss. Do we ever think about that? Now the chastening can be very bad. It can be, and we're going to find out in the latter part of chapter number 5, Israel's going to receive some great chastening. Okay? We're going to see that. But probably even greater than the chastening... It's what they missed out on. They missed out on God's blessings. How often do we, maybe even sometimes we don't even know it, we don't even realize it, how often do we miss out on blessings because of our pride or because of any sin for that matter? And so that's what I want us to see tonight. I want us to, let's just begin in 1 Corinthians. Let's do that. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Woe to the wise guy to the man who knows everything, to the man who is smarter than God Himself. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. And number one, I'm going to give you three blessings that the wise guy misses out on. Number one tonight, he misses the blessing of the cross of Christ. He misses the blessing of the cross of Christ. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 11. I'll tell you what, let's just stop. And uh, let me pray for us, okay? And uh, let me pray before we really get into the message. Pray for God to help us tonight. Father, we commit these next few moments to you. Lord, we ask that you would teach us tonight. Pray that you would bring to mind some things that we know, but maybe we haven't thought of in a while. 
And so, Lord, we want to commit these next few moments to you. We want to ask that your Holy Spirit would have freedom to move in our midst. Lord, we pray the same for our Master Club program and all the kids and teenagers that are there. I pray that the Holy Spirit will move in their midst tonight. Uh, Lord, help that one or maybe even a few, maybe even a handful of children or teenagers who've never been saved. Help them to see their need for the Savior. And then for those who are saved, help them to see their need to live for you. And so, Lord, we just commit these next few moments to you. We ask that you'd bless them. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Number one, he misses the blessing of the cross of Christ. First Corinthians 1, let's begin in verse number 11, if we could. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren. Here, Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. And, and, uh, and he's, he's going to get on to them a little bit. He says, By them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. By the way, we say this every time we read it, but that's a great verse to put to mind. It's a great verse to have on your mind for someone who says that baptism is a part of salvation. Apostle Paul, we would consider him one of the greatest, if not maybe the greatest uh, Christian, maybe the greatest servant in all of the scriptures. And he said, God didn't send me to baptize. He sent me to preach the gospel. So right there, it tells me that baptism is not part of the gospel. And if baptism was a part of salvation, I guarantee you, Paul would have been doing a whole lot more of it. And he said, I only baptized... Gaius and I lost it. I lost it. What was the other name? Christmas. What verse am I missing? Fourteen. And then in verse sixteen, who does he say? The household of Stephanus. Okay, so two individuals and then a household. How many ever that would have been? He said that that that's all I baptized. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words lest the cross of Christ should be made of what? Of none effect. Then, then notice what he says in, in, in the remainder of the chapter. He says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. You know what men who are wise in their own eyes miss? They miss the cross of Christ. They miss the simplicity of the gospel. They miss that it's Jesus Christ and Him and Him alone. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not us. And they miss the blessing. And I would even use a better word. They miss the beauty of the cross. By the way, as believers, I believe we miss the beauty of the cross. He says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek, out, excuse me, seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. 
Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. What the world would call foolish. The world calls the cross foolish. And he says, but excuse me, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see our, your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised. Hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. That no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus who of God is made into us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Listen, dear friend, tonight we have nothing to glory in except the Lord Jesus Christ. And the wise guy, the man who is smarter than God himself, he misses the blessing of the cross of Christ. Let me give you three things. This is the only one I'm going to develop. I'm not even going to develop the other two uh, thoughts that we're going to look at tonight. But number one, he misses the blessing of the cross of Christ. What are those blessings? First of all, the blessing of its sufficiency to save. Look again at verse 17. It's not baptism. It's not good works. It's not who baptizes us. By the way, it's not even who leads us to the Lord. It's the Lord. He says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. The blessing of its sufficiency to say, by the way, aren't you thankful for that tonight? We don't have to add to it. By the way, we don't have to bait and switch people. You know stores that bait and switch? They get you in the door one way and then they try to give you the gospel or they try to sell you something that you don't need. It's called bait and switch. I don't have to do that. I don't have to bait somebody in the door. All I need to do is give them Christ. He is sufficient. His blood is sufficient. His blood is sufficient to cleanse any sin. It doesn't matter the sin. It doesn't matter if it's sin, iniquity, abomination. His, sin, his, his blood is sufficient to save. And the wise guy misses that. The wise guy misses the blessing of its sufficient, excuse me, sufficiency to save. Number two, he misses the blessing of the power of its preaching. He misses the blessing of the power of its preaching. Verses 18, really through the end of the chapter, but verses 18 through 25. You know, the world looks at preaching and they look at it as foolish. Whether it's loud, soft, long, or, or, or short, they look at it as foolishness. Boy, they miss the blessing of the power of preaching. If you're wise in here tonight... You listen to a lot of preaching during the week. Some people have more time to do. I, I probably have more time to do that than others because I listen while I'm studying. And I listen while I'm reading. But a wise man listens to good preaching during the Why? Because it's powerful. Because it's helpful. Because it's, excuse me, it guides us. The blessing of its 
sufficiency to say the blessing of the power of its preaching. And then thirdly, and I believe we miss this sometimes even as Christians, the blessing of its mercy to mankind. The wise guy misses the blessing of the cross of Christ. Would you take your Bibles real quickly and go to the book of Ephesians? Ephesians chapter number 2. The blessing of its mercy to mankind. When Christ is dying on the cross of Calvary, He is demonstrating His love, Romans chapter 5 verse number 8. But He is declaring and manifesting the mercy of God to all of mankind. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve, and what we deserve is death, Romans 6.23. It's hell, it's separation from God forever in the lake of fire. That's what I deserve. But God's mercy is not going to give me that. What He does give me is He gives me grace, and He gives me the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1, And you hath He quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The blessing of the mercy that was poured out at the cross of Calvary. And I'll tell you what, if we'll think about that a little bit more than maybe we do sometimes, it'll help us to stay away from sin. Because we'll remember that it was our sin that put Him there. It was our sin that was laid upon His body on the cross of Calvary. And so we shouldn't take His gospel, His crucifixion, His death, His burial, and His resurrection, we shouldn't take that lightly. And we should see the beauty in the cross. That holy God, holy God would love wretched man. Enough to die on a cross where the Bible says, Cursed is every man who dies on the tree. And He took that payment. He took that sacrifice. He took that, that penalty, if you will, for us. He misses the blessing. He misses the beauty of the cross of Christ. Number two, not only does he miss the blessing of the cross of Christ, number two, he misses the blessing of the grace of God. Would you take your Bibles and go to the book of James with me? Real quickly, let's... let's I have three passages. I want to get through these quickly. He misses the blessing of the grace of God. By the way, he does so because he refuses to humble himself. He refuses to humble himself. James chapter number 4, he misses the blessing of the grace of God. 
The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse number 1, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your what? Lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? By the way, that's pretty clear, isn't it? It's not nebulous. No ambiguity. He said, listen, if you're a friend of the world, you are an adulterer. And you are an adulteress. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, but I'm thankful for verses 5 and 6. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? He says, look, God knows that you still have flesh. And God knows that the flesh lusts against the Spirit. And God knows that there's going to be fightings and wars. And God knows that you're going to, you're, you're going to heap, uh, you're, you're going to ask amiss, as the verse says. And you're going to ask it uh, based upon your lust. God knows that. Do ye think, think that the Scripture saith in vain, the Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But notice verse number 6, but He giveth more what? Bible says His grace is sufficient, right? Hey, and those, what, what does grace do? For, what, what, is the, what is the great woe of missing the grace of God? Well, one of the things is God's protection against the temptation. Is God's help, God's grace when we're tempted to ask amiss, when we're tempted to pray in and of our own lust, when we fight in war. He says, but He giveth more Grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. You see, the proud never gets it because he won't humble himself. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse 8, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. That ought to be a heaviness over our sin. There ought to be some weeping and mourning over our sin. I think one of the things we miss in our churches, and our platform is so small, if the Lord would allow, um, I won't even say that, but our platform is small. I think one of the things we miss is a mourner's bench. We don't mourn anymore. We don't come to the altar and cry and, and, and weep, not, 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 not out of a show. Some people do it for show. I understand that. But out of a genuine heart of repentance and, and, and heaviness over our sins. He says, cleanse your hands, purify your hearts, be afflicted and mourn. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. You know what? He'll, he'll help you. Those temptations that you may have, the, the wars and the fightings and the temptations to ask amiss, it's God's grace. Go a little bit further with me. 1 Peter chapter number 5. 1 Peter chapter number 5, real quickly. He misses the blessing of the cross of Christ. Number 2, he misses the blessing of the grace of God. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 1, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an, an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherds shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory 
that fadeth not away. I'm thankful for men like that. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with what? Humility. For God resisteth. Here we go again. Same thing we saw in James 4. He resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore into the mighty hand of God that he may do what? Exalt you in due time. The wise guy misses this. He misses the grace of God because he'll never humble himself. Because he is wise in his own eyes and he is prudent in his own sight. And he misses the grace of God. And dear friend in here tonight, you may be saved and you may know Christ as your Savior. But, but if you'll never humble yourself in certain areas of your life, then in that area you miss the grace of God. He says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. In due time, notice this again in James 4, 1 Peter 5. It, the, the, the context is God helping. The context is we need God. He says in verse 7, casting all your care upon Him for He careth for you. Verse 8, but we need help against this, don't we? We need help against the adversary, don't we? We need help against the enemy. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all what? Grace. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Number two, he misses the blessing of the grace of God. And let's finish here tonight. Take your Bibles and go to Proverbs chapter 9 and we'll finish here. He misses the blessing of the cross of Christ. He misses the blessing of the grace of God. But number three tonight, Proverbs chapter 9. He misses the blessing of the wealth of God's wisdom. He misses the blessing of the wealth of God's wisdom. When we abide in wisdom sanctuary, we experience life to its fullest. Notice what wisdom says here in Proverbs chapter 9. Verse number 1, wisdom hath builded her house. There, there it is, there, there's her sanctuary. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. She hath killed her beast. She hath mingled her wine. She hath also furnished her table. Now by the way, here we go. We'll speak about that next week. People want to argue about wine and alcohol and all of that. You know what, it's amazing to me, out of six woes, two of them in Isaiah 5 are about wine and alcohol. So yeah, God's okay with it. By the way, I'm being facetious with that statement. I hope you understand that. He says, Wisdom hath built her house, she hath hewn out her seven pillars, she hath killed her beast, she hath mingled her wine, she hath also furnished her table. And by the way, that's for anybody to partake of. Because in chapters 8 and 9, wisdom is crying out. Listen. She's crying to the, to the men in the highways. She, she's crying to everybody. Listen to me, verse 3. She has sent forth her maidens. She crieth upon the highest places of the city. Whoso is simple. This is, this is the cry. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. Let him turn in to my feast. To my banquet table. To my sanctuary. To my house I've hewn out seven pillars. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish, and do what? 
live and go in the way of what? Understanding. Woe to the wise guy. Why? Because the wise guy misses the blessing of the cross of Christ. Because the wise guy misses the blessing of the grace of God. By the way, not only, we, we read James 4 and we read 1 Peter 5 and the, the guidance and the, the, uh, the guarding and the guiding that God does in those two chapters or those verses that we read by His grace. He guides and He guards. And so not, not, not only does He miss out on God's guidance and God's guarding Him, but He also receives the almighty hand of God's wrath, His justice. So He misses God protecting and He misses God's grace to, to, to exalt us and to lift us up and to care for us and to help us and to strengthen us and to help us against the adversary. He misses that, but He also is going to receive the justice of Almighty God. And we'll, we'll see that at the end of Isaiah chapter number 5. He misses the blessing of the grace of God. And he misses the blessing of the wealth of God's wisdom. That's why knowing God's Word is so important. Because when we know God's Word and we glean God's wisdom and we receive it, that's what makes us wise. Not just hearing it, but receiving it. And being submitted to it and applying our lives to it. When we do that, we get to feast at the table of wisdom. We get to dwell in wisdom's house. Seven pillars. Pretty good structure. Pretty good foundation. Pretty good support, right? And we get to dwell there. And the wise guy misses the wealth of God's, excuse me, God's wisdom. None of us in here tonight are perfect. And all of us in here tonight, there are times we allow our opinions to filter in to what we say we believe. But we ought to strive with everything in our being not to allow that to happen. Everything in our lives ought to be, ought to be laid beside this to see if it's level or not. To see if it's square or not. And if that bubble's not right in the middle, then we better stick with this. If this over here is a little bit off and it's unlevel with this right here, we better stick with this. Because the Bible is what, what squares us up. It's what balances us. And they miss the wealth of God's wisdom. Boy, you don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss feasting at her table. I don't want to miss living in her household and enjoying this Christian life to the fullest. Father, thank you for the time you've given us tonight. Father, I pray that you would hear us in these next few moments as we come to you in prayer. Father, give us safety as we go to our homes tonight. Bring us back together on Sunday. And we'll surely thank you and praise you for it. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You